especially as always for the benefit of our guests. There's a gold insert in your service folder that um, has a little outline of what we're going to be studying today and then also um, a little Bible study on the back. Um, whether you're in a growth group or not, you're very much invited to take this uh, home with you as a, as a blessing during your week. Dear friends, in uh, 1968, a Frenchman named Philip Pettit was sitting and waiting in a dentist's office in his hometown of Paris. While sitting there, he took out a magazine and began to read about uh, two big buildings that were being in the process of being built in New York City, and Philip had an idea. And so in 1974, after six years of planning and six years of scheming and six years of secrecy and six years of studying how this would work, on about 7 o'clock on an August morning in 1974, Philip set foot out on a 200-foot-long steel rope that was harnessed from one point of a, the top of a World Trade Center tower to the other top of the newly constructed World Trade Towers. A 200-foot-long expanse that Philip had this great idea of walking across as sort of a tightrope, a balancing act. Now, when I look at that, I mean, just looking at this, these pictures make me nervous. I know, Kurt, you love heights, right? Um, um, what a difficult thing to do. And to think about how not only did he just quickly walk across and then step off on the other side, he actually spent 45 minutes on the rope, went back and forth eight times. Observers say, and so does Philip, obviously, that he got down on one knee on the rope and waved to people below. He uh, sat on the rope, and can anyone see? It's, too, it's very small, but what's he doing on this bottom right-hand picture? He laid down on that rope a quarter mile in the air as the buildings slightly sway, as large buildings do, and the breeze flows with no harness and no net. Now, is this something like this that um, you would do? It's something for me that I ask, my, ask myself the question, why? Why in the world would you do a balancing act like that, so difficult, so dangerous, where if you slightly fall off to one side, it's all over, and you slightly fall off to the other side, it's all over? Thankfully, we're never forced to do a balancing act like that. But sometimes you feel like Philip Pettit. Not because you're on a tightrope above the, the trade towers, but because you're asked by God and just by life itself to balance a whole bunch of stuff. And most of the time, this balancing act comes in the area of life that I talked with the kids about, and that is our time. It doesn't matter really what age you're at. There are things that you need to balance when it comes to your time, the time that God has given you. I mean, for a student, you're trying to balance getting your homework done, and playing outside if you're a young student, um, 
getting good grades as best as you can. Uh, if you're an older student, maybe a part-time job or the basketball team or the choir or whatever it is. It's a balancing act, right? If you are a middle-aged type parent, uh, you're balancing weekend schedules and sports and music and whatever and church and time together as a family and marriage and kids and it's a balancing act. If you are a retiree, you're balancing volunteer time, whether it be at some place in the community or at church, with being there for your grandkids, with having a little bit of rest and relaxation, and all these things. It's going to be a very, very difficult thing. And it's a balancing act because there's no solution to it. There is absolutely no solution that will totally take away the balancing act. Now, this week, in our series, specifically, we're talking about one area of life that hits most of us. And that's balancing God's call and, require, and the requirements and time needed at work with the call and priorities and responsibilities you have with your family. Now, <laughs> I may be preaching the sermon today, but for those who know me well, especially my family, they, they can tell you that I don't always do this very well. And so it was with a great deal of conviction that uh, I studied this week and um, realized that uh, there's a lot for me to improve on in my Christian life and that um, I may not be where I need to be, but by God's grace, um, I'm closer than I used to be. And I pray that that continues in my personal life. So I, I share God's word to you as always, as a sinner. And as someone who uh, continually needs to balance in my life too. And a question that occurs is, is why is this such a tension? And why is it an, a, impossible to finally find a total solution? The reason is, is because, think about it. If you spent all the time you needed at work until everything was done and everything was planned for and everything was finished, when would you go home? Never. You know, might as well send my mail to work. On the flip side, if you spent as much time that was needed at home so that everyone's love tank was filled, that includes kid and, kids and spouse, when would you go to work? Never. I mean, no, none of my kids have ever said, Dad, you know, we've played enough. Why don't you go inside and work on your computer? <laughs> no one's ever said, Dear, you spend too much priority, too much priority on the honeydew list. Why don't you see if there's something on your work list you could get done? That's what I'd really like. And so there's this, this tension that there is not enough time to fulfill all the needs, all the requirements to the nth degree. And so we feel like Philip Pettit. When you get off balance, which direction do you leave? Lean in those two areas. When you're tempted to be off balance, which direction do you naturally lean? Probably some of us here today, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Some of us today probably find ourselves leaning too far in the direction of family, and that can happen. 
where reasonable work expectations maybe aren't met or other things happen where we're not giving a, an honest time to our work because we're not making it a priority. But the truth is, is that most of the time when people are leaning one way or the other, it tends to be mostly that we lean in the direction too far of work and that the family gets neglected. Why? Well, sometimes there's more tangible sort of seeing results of spending more time at work. I mean, if you spend more time at work, it usually results in something like uh, a promotion or a bonus or a Caribbean vacation or awards at the end of the year, awards party or banquet. When you spend more time at home, a lot of times it's just, well, I was home. <laughs> There's no award at the end of the year family banquet. There's no Caribbean vacation for being a great parent and a bonus for being a good kid. Or maybe some of you lean too far towards, or tendency too far towards work because you feel trapped, because you feel as if there is no solution to it and that there's just no wiggle room. You kind of have to. Like I said before, there is no solution to totally getting rid of this tension. That's why it's a balancing act. But what God does give to us today is direction. He gives to us direction that can help to stay balanced in a godly way. Now for that direction, we're going to turn about 1,400 years before Jesus was born. Most of you know a guy named Moses who God appointed to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. Well, Moses was not allowed to lead the people actually into the promised land. That would be the land we know today as the country of Israel. But instead, Joshua followed him. And it was through Joshua that God gave that land of Israel to his people. At the time of our lesson, it's at the end of Joshua's life. He wouldn't be living much more than a few more weeks. And so he decides to gather God's people in front of him to give them one last address. Now, Joshua knows his people very well. He knows how their habit has been to follow God really closely and then fall away and then to follow God really closely when things are good and then fall away. And, you know, when you read through the Old Testament history of God's people, it sounds a lot like our lives, doesn't it? Follow God really closely when things are good and then fall away for a time. Joshua understood this tendency of his people. And so he is going to call them to make a decision about who it is that they are really going to serve. But before he gets there, there's this section that I think is so, so important to leading up to that decision in verses 14 and 15. So I'd like to read a few of those verses right now. Joshua chapter 24. These words are not actually in your service folder, but you can follow along on the screen. So Joshua gathers the people in front of him, and he says to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I, God, took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him through Canaan and gave him blessings, many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac, I, God, gave Jacob and Esau. 
I, God, assign the hill country of Seir to Esau. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, the ten plagues. And I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued you with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they, God's people, cried to the Lord for help, and God put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I, God, did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I, God, brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. Now, there's a lot of details there, and some of that, which I just read, went like this, right? But... Here's the point of why I read all those verses, was the emphasis that not only I put when I read, but also what the Hebrew has in its written form. And that is, this whole section is to get God's people to realize how much God loves them. How much God had done for them. His power, His faithfulness, His forgiveness, His grace, His direction... His love. That although their commitment was like this, follow, fall away, follow, fall away, their commitment was like that. His love for them was as steady as it could ever be. Always there with forgiveness when they turned to Him for repentance, with love when they realized what they were doing in falling away. My friends, Believe it or not, as we think about balance in our lives, it starts right there. It starts with that understanding. Where do you get your greatest sense of identity? Is it being a boss? Is it being an employee? Is it being a pastor? Is it being a mom? Is it being a dad? Is it being a student, a basketball player, a cheerleader? Where do you get your greatest source of identity? God wanted to remind the Israelites, first of all, about his love. And secondly, that their greatest source of identity, that they were children of God. As he reminded them of how he was faithful to them, they would see, yes, I am loved by my Heavenly Father. Look at all these things that God has done for me. Now, this was, about the Egypt, this was about the Israelite story. God could have made, you know, a Bible version for each one of us that would have included things just like this, couldn't he have? I mean, there are times where we have strayed. Maybe it was in those finding ourselves 20-something years or college years. Maybe it was when some trouble really hit and we just didn't, you know, know how we felt about God. We've strayed. God never once has. He's never strayed from us. He's always been there with his love and his power, just like for the Israelites. There have been times we've forgotten about God, especially when things are going really well, we forget about God. We've forgotten him on certain vacations that we've taken, maybe, or we've, we've forgotten to, to bring him along in certain decisions that we've made. God never forgot about us. In fact, the promise he made to Adam and Eve, he never once forgot about it. 
but instead fulfilled it as he sent his son Jesus. Sometimes we find it too hard to follow God. His direction too difficult. The things that he asks, too hard. Thanks be to God that Jesus wasn't like that. But even at the hardest moment, and we'll begin that journey this Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, of, of watching him go, even at that, to the cross, even at that moment where it was the hardest, God never, Jesus never said, this is too hard. But he was faithful to the Israelites, he was faithful to you and me, and you know where your greatest sense of identity is? Do you know who you are? There's one thing that could describe who you are. Child of God. Someone loved by your Heavenly Father. Now, at this point you might be wondering, all right, Ben, connect the dots for me. Where are we going? You know where we're at right now as we talk about that balance between work and home? We're exactly where Joshua had the Israelites. This is exactly what Joshua wanted the Israelites to understand in this text. That they were children of God. And then listen to what happens next. Verse 14. Now, in spite of or understanding all that we've just talked about, fear the Lord. Serve your job. Serve your family first and foremost. Serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve above all the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Uh, understand what Joshua is calling the Israelites to. Um, some people might read this and think that he's calling them to make a decision for faith. And as you and I likely know, and what the Bible is very clear of, is that we can't make a decision to come to faith. That it's something that the Lord needs to work in our heart. That's not what was going on here. These were people who already had faith. It was very weak. They spent a lot of time waffling in their faith, following God, but also bringing along different idols, and their direction was kind of going in two different ways. This was a call for them to quit waffling and to live their faith, to live out the faith that God already had given to them, and to serve the Lord, to serve Him first and foremost. And after recounting all that God had done for them, listen to Joshua's words. Some of you have these hanging in your house somewhere. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know what serving the Lord means? In view of what God has done for us, it means making his priorities our priorities. It means in the balancing act of life, serving the Lord, committing to that, means, even though we won't do it perfectly all the time, means 
making his plans for my life. My plans. His directives. My directives. Two weeks ago, we started this series by remembering what serving God means. Remembering that we serve God can bring a lot of purpose in our lives. And we heard this statement. The purpose of God in my life, or the purpose of work in my life, is to glorify God who's at work in my life. Serving God brings purpose. Because no matter whether you manage things, or make things, or watch things, or sell things, you can bring glory to God in whatever it is you do. You know what else serving God brings? Balance. When we serve God, when we remember we serve Him today, and His plans, and His priorities, it helps to bring balance to our lives. Now here's the thing. The people of Joshua's day, they had idols that were kind of crowding God out of the picture. Idols where their sort of perspective was going in two directions. And they were asked to make a decision. Are you going to serve God, first and foremost, in his direction, or are you going to serve the idols? What idols do you struggle with? What idols sometimes do you serve instead of serving God? We don't have the idols of the Amorites and the idols beyond the Minnesota River, um, although there might be some idols up there. We could probably find some. What idols do you struggle with? You might know what they are. But I think one of the idols that we really need to consider in this balance between work and family is have we made work an idol? Have we made pursuit of our career an idol? If you're not sure if that's you, how do you know? Some of us, we just know. We've known for a while. We won't admit it to anyone, but we know. For others of us, you need to ask your spouse. They'll tell you whether you're an idol worshiper or not. Hopefully nicer than that. For still others of us, maybe you can answer this question. How would you answer this? In what do you find your greatest fulfillment or happiness? Or, from what do you find your greatest sense of identity and self-esteem? If the honest answer to that question is your job, your career, your title, being a mom, you know, that can be an idol too, just for mom's sake. Being a dad, just for dad's sake. Being a basketball player. There's a good chance that we're leaning too hard in the area of work and that it's become an idol for us. Because I, I think in a very real way, the reason why this balancing act has become more difficult than it needs to be is because of a case of mistaken identity. That we've forgotten who we are. We think we're a pastor, or an accountant, or a computer tech guy, or a teacher, or a lawyer, or 
a mom or a cheerleader or a basketball player. We think, but that's not who you are. You do that. But we are children of God. And while we serve our families, we serve them because it's a priority of the Lord that we serve. While we work hard at our jobs, we do that because it's not the job that we serve, it's the Lord that we serve. Now, if you're coming to the realization, like I did, that there may be idols in my life at times, two things happen. One is that you feel guilt. Remember who you are. You know what it means to be a child of God? You don't need to carry guilt out of this place. That Christ has forgiven all those sins. That Christ empowers you to live a brand new life. The second thing that happens is related to that. That a child of God will want to make some changes. To make this a Joshua day. As for me and my household, as best as we can, we will serve the Lord. And I have a suggestion for you. There could be more, but I have one suggestion for you in that regard. Especially when it comes to family and work. Can we work on, as we serve the Lord, to not just love our families with our hearts, but to be specific in loving our families with our schedules? To love our families with our schedules. To, with our time, show them that because God has made family a priority, that we have too. Now, here's where that, well, you don't understand comes. You don't understand my job. Well, you don't understand mine either. Of course I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but I do know there are things we can do. Maybe it means talking to your boss. Maybe, maybe it means planning your day so you're more efficient at work so that you can come home earlier or not work as much when you get home. Maybe it's setting a scheduled time every day where you're not going to even think about looking at your phone or the computer. And in some very severe situations, as you consider this, as you think about it, maybe at a certain point God is going to lead you to the fact that there's not a lot of wiggle room at my job and I need to begin thinking about a responsible exit plan. We serve God, not our job. We love our family because we serve and love God first and foremost. His priorities are our priorities. One last thing. Um, in this picture of Philip, uh, you'll notice that he's carrying a rather large pole. It's uh, actually 26 feet long, which is about the distance from that plant to this banner. So that's, uh, I mean, that's a big thing to lug around while you're walking a quarter mile in the air. 55 pounds, so, you know, the size of a eight-year-old maybe or a five-year-old, somewhere in there. Depends who it is. That's a balancing pole. And the point of it is that, and I don't understand all the physics, but the way the weight is distributed, that it get, actually gives you more time to regain your weight as it sort of balances out the weight. 
Work, family. It's a difficult balance. Do you know what your balancing pole is? Christ. And remembering who it is that you serve. Just like Joshua reminded Israel, God reminded me this week, pray that God also reminded you this week through this section of Scripture. And may we, as we balance, carry along the balancing pole everywhere we go, remembering that we can only think about being balanced with Christ and His direction and His priorities as they become ours. Amen.